This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Hope everybody's safe, healthy, all that stuff. Um, Again, you know, try to show some patience so you don't end up being a patient here. Appreciate you all, as always, for while we're locked in, sticking with us here on Locked On Browns. Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Brown-wise for your daily delivery, all things Dog Pound. Um, I have a bunch to get here, too. Um, you tried to sit down last night, but, you know, course of events here just dictated to a morning recording as we get to your Wednesday episode. So, you know, for anybody who needed that, yes, today would be Wednesday, April 1st. Save the jokes. We don't freaking need them. There couldn't be anything that would even be... Worse in a situation we're kind of all in right now, so don't be that jackass today. Uh, signing a uh, veteran defensive end, Adrian Claiborne, former first-round pick at the University of Iowa. Um, Pete, this was interesting. I guess kind of you know out of the dark. I guess it was a name we didn't mention so uh, you know, a ton here. But you bring in a solid veteran here um, with his size. He can do more than just play traditional edge. You can move him around the line along with everybody else you got here. Um, this stage in the game this this is something this isn't a bad one this is i mean for this late in the game here in free agency this is a solid move adrian claiborne is an excellent depth signing i mean this is you know you and i were frustrated about this to no end uh you know in past years because there's always guys around like this the bronze are getting uh a guy who functions entirely on the right side differences in his arm uh, that he had that, that uh, were discovered when he when he was coming out of Iowa uh, but uh, he's good like he's been really effective he's a good pass rusher he's got size uh, and he's not limited to just being a pass rusher but uh, <coughs> a legitimate third defensive end uh, that they needed it, and it changes the dynamic of this team they don't uh, they 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 don't necessarily have to draft the defensive end in the uh, in the draft. Uh, they could theoretically, you know, I mean, if, if the value is there, they they should act on it. But if it's not, they can sort of wait until 2021, whether that's making a move in, in free agency, trade, or or that year's draft. But they are in good shape. Yeah, the thing I like about this, and we're going to get to what, you know, I know everybody's got questions about what this means for Olivier Vernon here. But you, you get to it now, Pete, and I remember it was Jonathan Hankins two years ago when we've gone through these names of, you got to get this guy in here, you, you need something, you need more. But now you've got yourself to a defensive line of six capable players, uh, you know, six names, guys that have done things in this league here. Um, obviously, most of the time you're going to play four of them, but, you know, the rotation basis here. Um, you have the, you know, some of the younger guys here are going to be the leftovers. Who knows, you know, how that's going to be pan out for any of them. It's probably not looking good with this regime already bringing in two guys on this defensive line here. But you've got a rotation now of six guys here, um, and it's six bodies, and it's guys with pedigrees in this league here. Uh, and it's it's been a long time coming. We've been screaming about it since you know uh, May of 2018, but at least finally here, somebody's showing that you know flexibility depth within a defensive line is one of the most important things on the defensive side of the ball in all of the NFL. Right. Uh, they, they have, you know, they have a really credible defensive line. I mean, Andrew Billings 
is an is a good player at the at, at the very least he's an excellent role player for you know that sort of run stopping package that they're putting together with guys like BJ Goodson and stuff but you know I, I think that's going to get Larry Ogunjobi to play more like he did when the Browns had Danny Shelton which was arguably the best of his career uh, I, I think this uh, gives you credible depth in case of injury and hopefully you know hopefully they don't have that this year and can sort of just, you know, have this just never ending pass rush coming, but it's just, you know, it's the difference between your third guy being somebody who's extremely credible, who can actually get after the quarterback and, and putting a couch out there named Chad. <laughs> um, yeah. And it is also hopefully going to avoid you from, you know, playing street free agents for, you know, straight, you know, 75, 80% of the reps, is you wind on down the season here, which is you know was the case last year. Um, you know, Claiborne a tad bit older, but the contract, Pete, and, and this also it also gives you flexibility here. You know, we've talked a bunch about you know Olivier Vernon not being here for 2020. Uh, there's those who are asking. I don't see how this means the end of Olivier Vernon now. I mean, that plan should still be in place, and if anything, it gives you obviously a little bit of insurance policy. You got a much more quality body. If God forbid, you know, we know Olivier misses time. That's just part of who he is, but it gives you a little bit more of an insurance policy, a backup option where you're essentially not playing Porter Gustins and Brian Cox jr. You know, 85 to 90% of the reps in what'll hopefully be key games down a stretch. Well, it has no impact on Olivier Vernon. I don't, the, the two things shouldn't be, Related, um, you need more than two defensive ends, as clearly was proven last year. Now they have three. Um, if they're going to make a move with Vernon, it's likely not going to happen until Clowney makes his decision, and then ever since Griffin makes his decision. And the reality is, if uh, you know, unless Jadavian Clowney goes somewhere else other than Seattle, uh, then you know, Everson Griffin will have to make a choice. But in the event that Clowney does sign somewhere else, uh, Griffin's preferred choice seems to be Seattle. So I would make peace with the fact that you're going to have Olivia Vernon here, who's a good player. Like, this is the thing. It's, I understand he's making $15.5 million, but he's still a very good player. And he dominated multiple games last year and helped the Browns shut down Lamar Jackson in one game. He was a huge factor in that game. He just absolutely killed George Fant in, against Seattle who's getting paid, uh, you know, like $10 million this year. Uh, and and the offense couldn't come through for that. But, no, the combination of Vernon and Garrett on the field together was outstanding. The only question is, can they get those two guys playing as well as they did when they were together with Sheldon Richardson, who really didn't come on until after the bye week, when those guys were then, you know, suspended and injured. If they can get all three of those guys working and – Add in Billings, add in Ogunjobi, now add in Claiborne. You've got what we thought we were going to get last year, but more consistent. Yeah, I mean, you have a defensive line now with three three former first-round picks. Um, all guys are athletic, um, and you do with some of them have the flexibility to move them around here. Um, you know, I, I, let's put it this way. If it was going to be one or the other, what would you add draft-wise? I'm assuming – it would probably be D-tackle because technically you've got one under contract for next year? Well, I think defensive tackle is huge for them. Uh, ultimately, for a number of reasons. First, it's just a great place to get a pass rush. But, yeah, I mean, 
Um, I, it's curious to see what happens with Ogunjobi. So many people are sort of down on him, but you know, if he's if he's sort of a middling player, he should be able to, they should be able to keep him pretty easily for not much money. So he's become sort of a valuable commodity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, then you're going to have to make a decision on Billings. Uh, but that's what, again, sort of like 30 ish pass rushers are always sitting there for one year deals. It always seems like there's nose tackles sitting there and who knows, they may try to negotiate sort of a multi-year deal, deal, deal with Billings. He's 25. Uh, he's just uh, got to be healthy and consistent, but yeah, if for no other reason, I, I think, uh, if you can get another three tech in there, I mean, obviously, uh, I love Ross Blacklock. I don't know how realistic it is. It probably isn't. Uh, maybe they like a guy like Marlon Davidson or, or from Auburn or something like that. But if you get another guy on the interior who can create pass rush, it just becomes a revolving door of just sending hell at the opposing quarterback, which is exactly what they need. So, um, and I also think the defensive tackle class is probably a little bit better than the edge class. I don't think this edge class is particularly good. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Again, it's it's really a question of where the rubber meets the road. But I think, particularly in that second round, um, you know, I think there's a chance they trade down. But I think that second round is increasingly going to be either a safety, a defensive tackle, or maybe an edge if there's somebody they absolutely love, and then. You know the same deal with wide receiver. If there's somebody they they feel like they they must have, I could see them going that route. But more likely, uh, it's going to be a defensive player at one of those spots. I, I I don't see it being a linebacker at all. I'd say I'd say probably not. The 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 greater need obviously, it, and if you look at the way they're constructing it, they're telling you the emphasis is more secondary. The emphasis to what they've done so far has been D line has been secondary. And, you know, like we've talked about, day three is maybe where the, you know, the basically where the proof in the pudding is in this linebacker class is just, you know, finding some athletes that can run and chase with backs, tight ends. So, yeah, I, I agree. I'm assuming it would probably be, um, you know, defensive tackle. My Darrell Taylor love that that may be out the window now, which I'll live with. I'll, I'll learn to live with here. But uh, the makings of a strong defensive line here, and it's not just on, you know, just guessing and hope and potential. It's, you know, we guys that are in here and to this point have had proven NFL careers here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Locked On Browns, your Wednesday episode. We'll keep on rolling on through here. If you have the Google Home or any hands-free device, uh, obviously ask it to go ahead and play you the latest Cleveland Browns news with the Google Home. Uh, Cleveland Browns news, you'll get five-minute segments, one-minute segments. Obviously, you'll get a Claiborne uh, segment here today. We've been doing positional groups here, how free agencies affected it here and where the interest will lie in as far as the draft goes here. So whether it's Alexa, whether it's your Google Home, ask for Cleveland Browns news or Lockdown Browns, and then we'll be free to fire it up for you. Came official yesterday, Pete. Um, there will be 14 playoff teams, seven playoff teams per conference for the 2020 season, if, when, however it does kick off. Um already some rumblings of maybe it could be, you know, football in March. Um, the NFL, trust me, once they can get clearance to get a season going, they're going to. There's no way they're going to leave all this money on the table. So now with, you know, 14 teams making it, you know, look, I, I can understand it from both sides. I truly do. But one thing I do look forward to and just thinking about it, Pete, is whenever that first wild card weekend is of playoffs here, which is usually a fantastic round of games here, not now, now you're not just talking two games. You're talking a one, a four, and an eight on both days here. 
Um, obviously, you know, it's going to be a lot more interesting how teams handle things because with only one buy available, you're certainly, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to sit later in the season, which will eventually be a 17 game season, but not for this year, but 14 teams into the playoffs here, which gives me a chance to maybe, you know, steal a pick or two to maybe win one of these playoff pools, one of these years. But, you know, with, with, you know, with the players getting more money and this type of thing here, there was always going to be the caveat. Eventually it's going to be 17 games. Now it's one more playoff game. Uh, so, you know, it's going to make for a difference here, but for most pure football fans, they have a hard time saying, I can't complain about more football. I can. Uh, I, I'll take that one. Uh, I hate it. Um, I hate the. I, I always. I, I like how uh, being a playoff team means something in the NFL. Um, it's just. It, it's it's not like being the eighth seed in the NHL or the NBA. It just isn't. I mean, that, you, you can be a playoff team in those sports, and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and and the NBA, so much of it is the eighth eighth seed is just there to get pummeled. Uh, I mean, they, they, they scrapped a uh, five-game opening playoff because the eight-seed eight team uh, that could, the Kembe Mutombo-led Nuggets team actually upset the Sonics, so they got rid of it. Uh, the NHL is far more of a, a crapshoot, but the NFL, like being a playoff team means something. You, you can actually say, you know, from the previous season, well, our team made the playoffs and it means something. I think this devalues it. Um, this past season, um, if you had that, you would have had the Duck Hodges-led Steelers in the playoffs. And I think that that's just not – they're just not a playoff team. I think that, that's sort of beneath the NFL from that standpoint. Um, so I, I, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I think, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get too many situations where um, – you know, the seventh seed team is, is even remotely competitive. Uh, I think it's just largely a coronation and just a beating. And I think it takes away from what wildcard weekend is, which is usually the most volatile playoff weekend because there are so many things that can happen. You don't have teams coming off a of bye week that are, are preparing uh, for, for a team that generally favor, you know, certainly favors that team. Uh, wildcard weekend is, is far more of a toss-up, and I think the, the format that they're going to is making it far more predictable. And I think maybe the NFL wants it to be that way because they want, you know, a team like the Ravens to still be in the playoffs. Uh, but I, it's just to me, I, I don't think yeah, – I'm not a fan. I, I, I don't I, – I know that there are so many people who are sort of by hook or by crook with the Browns. If they can get in the playoffs, they'll take it. But uh, I think, you know, you want to make it and feel like it's earned, not sort of be handed to handed to you. And if you, you know, you squeak in, but you suck, you're just going to get drilled anyway. So I don't know how much value that has. Uh, and if you look at it this way, I mean, you know, last year it would have been what? It would have been the uh, Duck Hodges led. Um, <laughs> it would have been Duck Hodges led Pittsburgh Steelers going against Kansas City Chiefs. That would have been. An absolute. Yeah, and we've been that uh, that uh, limping Rams team uh, going against whoever the number two seed was for the uh, NFC. I'm trying to think. Who was that? Was that the 49ers? Uh, no, I think the 49ers. No, Seattle. Yeah. The Seattle. How would that worked out? <laughs> 
unholy beatings. So, I mean, you know, the point of it, I guess, look, I mean, you know, and it's, you know, in order to make more money, you're going to have to put out more product, which is what the NFL is thinking here. But, you know, it gets to a point where it's, you know, it, it gets to be a watered down product. And even when you look at it this way here, um, you know, you'll be saying, you know, the team who's selecting 18th in the NFL draft was a playoff team. You know, we're two away here, guys. We're two away from having just as many teams in the playoffs as out of it, which, it, and like I said, I can see both sides of it here. I, you know, I'll always understand the league and how they're, what they're going to do to make more money here. But we are literally two teams away from having the playoffs be equal uh, as far as participants in it and participants out of it. And that just seems like you're, I mean, it, it, it seems like you're getting to the ultimate of the ultimate of participation trophies. Have we lost Peter? No, I'm still here. It's still right. All right. Just making sure here, sir. Well, now, Pete, here was the other news of yesterday. Not only will there be the slew of six playoff games on Wild Card Weekend, you're going to have somebody new in the broadcast business. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess I kind of sort of understand it, but I'm not sure exactly what their demographic is. Because if these kids are going to watch, if these kids are going to watch football, they're going to sit down, they're going to watch it with their parents, they're going to watch it with their families all season long. I'm not exactly sure what the allure is going to be, Pete, for a playoff game to fire up Nickelodeon to get the expert analysis of, I don't even know, God, who in the world they're going to put on those telecasts. I just don't understand where they think the target audience is going to come from, where all of a sudden now it's been. 17 weeks of games, and now, well, no, no, I've got to tune in to Nickelodeon for this coverage. Uh, so I think <laughs> I think the strategy here is taking away options from kids who don't want to watch football <laughs> I, or, or wouldn't normally be inclined to watch it. It's sort of like they have one less thing where they could sort of bump into it. I, yeah, I don't. I don't see it from a just, hey, we're going to, you know, maybe, you know, parents will watch the Nickelodeon one with their kids. It just doesn't seem likely. I suppose it's possible, but it really does seem to be like, hey, what's on Nickelodeon? Hey, football, maybe I'll go ahead and watch this and maybe it'll be interesting. I I don't know. I, I guess a lot of it depends on what this actually means. You know, I, 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 if it's like trying to make it so it's like consumable for 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 a younger audience or if it's trying to like cater to it to a way that like makes it do some like dumb antics and stuff i could see where you know it just becomes pointless but if they've got a, a way to sort of you know make it watchable, consumable in a way that sort of introduces them to the game in a way that they're actually going to enjoy it. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and, and given some of the broadcast teams I've seen cover bronze games, it could be the preferable option. Uh, <laughs> so it really just depends what that actually means to them, what, what, what their version of that is. Uh, 
but you know, it, it feels like an old smoking campaign, like you know, get them while they're young type deal. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what it actually means. But look, if you're the NFL, you're 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 slowly trying to take away all other options, and and this is sort of one small way of them doing that. Um, it just for me, I mean, the whole thing just seems kind of silly. Um, and it's I, I don't know what you're competing against i mean you know i mean is your thought process you're competing against the nba now i'm trying to steal the fans there um i, I don't know it's just you you learn to and you know obviously we, there's certain crews you expect to hear when it comes time for you know the playoffs you expect to hear the better clue better crews i mean could you imagine saying you know well we're going to turn off tony romo and you know we'll go with whatever two stooges are doing the game on Nickelodeon. That's the part where I just I have an issue with and looking you know, at whether whatever you think of Buck or Aikman or whatever. I just don't know if I see people turning that off to go to, you know, and again, I still have no idea what even Nickelodeon would do as far as a crew. It'll be interesting. Um, but because the other thing is you're going to be looking for guys who are essentially, you know, PG 13 announcing football games, not that it gets, different or cursing or any of that nature, but it's just the point of it is, I don't know. I, I still don't get it. Like in, you know, the NFL, I understand they want to corner every market and they don't want to corner it. They want to own it. They want to steal it, but it just, I don't know. For me, it seems, uh, you know, just a little tad bit overboard. Again, what, what we think they are planning versus what they're actually planning could be a world of difference. Uh, again, maybe they have a way to do it where it's going to be good and they've got, I, I assume it's going to be a professional broadcast team. It's just a question of how that, what that means. But um, if that's like, you know, parading in, you know, guests from various shows they're doing, you know, like it's a, a Fox baseball game. Uh, I don't know, but it, that's really the question is what does that actually mean to them? What does that product actually look like to them? And, uh, you know, obviously a little early in its infancy to say, but, you know, for me, again, uh, don't understand it. I just, <laughs> that's a head scratcher for me. Uh, continue to roll on through on your Wednesday locked on Browns here. Um, if anybody can understand what the pandemic that's the world going through here in this country has on small businesses. Obviously, it's me here. Um, uh, obviously, a lot of t-shirt designers and things of that nature, apparel makers, you know, around uh, the Cleveland community of Browns, uh, around the Cleveland sports teams. Um, it's tough for them. Uh, my folks over at Zabo Apparel, Brian Zabo, good guy, great dude, puts together a great product. But, you know, obviously right now, him and his family are hurting. You can't have a store open here. It's really difficult to move merchandise. So if you were looking for Cleveland sports gear, Cleveland Browns gear, check out ZaboApparel.com, S-Z-A-B-O, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Zabo Apparel. Quality product done out of the love and the passion for this franchise, for this city. So if you need apparel, you're looking to make a difference, looking to help somebody out, the fine folks over at Zabo Apparel. All right, we'll close with this here, Pete. Um, Matt Miller just dropped a seven-round mock. And oof, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher here. First things first, uh, Jedrick Wills, and now this is the second day in a row because Todd McShay just did this, did Jedrick Wills over Andrew Thomas at 10. And, you know, everybody with Wirfs, at least you have some of the proof of him playing left tackle with Wills. You don't really have that here, but you know, Jedrick Wills over Andrew Thomas is just, you know, and we talked about this the other night, as far as, you know, what would we not 
pass up on moving out of 10 here. Um, Andrew Thomas is one of those guys here, but now the second time in a row here, somebody going Jedrick Wills over Andrew Thomas for the Browns. Well, I mean, last week or two weeks ago, all these people were giving the Browns Mackay Becton. So I don't put any stock into this stuff. Um, I don't think they're good. I, I don't, I don't think they're interested in Jedrick Wills, at least not ahead of uh, the other options. I think, uh, I think the the way they're looking at it is it it's Werps, then Thomas, then Jones, then Cleveland, uh, and maybe then they're looking at guys like uh, Austin Jackson or, or somebody like that. I just I I I think Jedrick Wills is very good um, for certain offenses. I think he'd be great for the Giants. Um, he might be very good for the Chargers and what they're trying to do. But, but what the Browns want to do. And, in terms of lateral mobility and length, um, Jedrick Wills is shorter than you prefer. It's you know six four and change. It's not like he's, a, he's 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 like too short. He's not Chris Hubbard, but you know length is more important if you're trying to run, you know, an offense where you're, you're trying to reach block and, and, and take advantage of your mobility and stuff like that. It's just one more thing that sort of helps Andrew Thomas uh, helps. Uh, you know, guys like Ezra Cleveland and, and Josh Jones, who are, you know, closer to 6'6". Uh, I think he's a great uh, – Wills is a great power <coughs> bulldozer. I just don't – that's not really what the Browns do uh, or, or not what they intend to do. It doesn't mean they don't want strong guys. It's just they're not trying to just, you know, beat – you know, just blow you off the snap every time. If they were – they could just take Becton and move on because that's what he is. But it, it just – I don't see it. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I think I, I think this is a, a product of just sort of putting things in place and seeing if they work. I, I You never can rule out the possible impact of agents uh, and what they're, you know, telling people and what they're listening to. But, you know, I And Matt comes with, you know, next two selections here in 41. I'm thrilled. Um, 74, I think we can understand here after the way he tested. Grant Delpit, 41. Malik Harrison, 74. You can get Grant Delpit at 41. I mean, you know, and it's it's literally Greedy Williams all over again. Um, but you can get Delpit here to the work you've done with this safety room to this point, and you can get Delpit at 41. That's That's a huge, huge win. Well, uh, Grant Delpit was the best defensive back in the country his sophomore year. Um, he just was unbelievable. Um, as a junior, he wasn't as good. He wasn't as good as a tackler. There's talk that he was playing hurt through that year, uh, and he didn't test. And he didn't test for uh, uh, the reason that a lot of those LSU guys didn't test, saying that they are basically fatigued from the national championship run and they were going to put it off to pro day. Well, you know, unless something, you know, some weird uh, setup is, is they, they come up with where they can sort of do that, we're not going to get any testing on any of those guys. So, you know, again, and this is one of the things we don't know is our agents for these prospects or, or, or teams coming up with ways to sort of get that data from them in a creative way that just isn't public. Uh, 
We don't know, but you're working off uh, sort of an incomplete picture with Delphit. I mean, you have tons of tape. It's not you're not hurting from that standpoint, and and that may make you feel more than more than comfortable. But for what the Browns want to do on defense, the Delphit just seems ideal to take over that Andrew Sandejo role next year. Uh, you know, potentially could beat him out this year. It's not you know Sandejo is fine. I don't want to undersell him, but. Delpit is a has been a very good player. Would be uh, a great fit for this. It's really just the answering those questions you don't have. What's the reality? Is is 2018 the Grant Delpit you're getting, or is 2019 the Grant Delpit you're getting? I'm more inclined to believe in 2018. Uh, I, I think uh, if you if that's the player you're getting, uh, then you know that becomes the player that so many thought was going to be a top 10 top 15 pick early in this year so yeah i think it would be fantastic uh that and again that's a player where that's one of those guys i think makes a lot of sense in that second round uh if they are again targeting a safety targeting a defensive tackle uh in that area to sort of they've got to build the defense and they've got to get some guys that can you know, they have so many one-year contracts, they've got to be able to get something that's going to be in place for a while, and Delpit could make a lot of sense. Obviously, a lot of people like uh, Winfield, and, and that's its own question mark with, you know, how 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 are they uh, getting medical data on him? Are they, are they confident in that medical data? Where, where's that going to play it? But, yeah, Grant Delpit, if you are confident in, in what you're getting with him, then 41 – Seems like it'd be a great spot. Uh, yeah, and that's even like if he makes it out of round one, you're that's when you're talking that 18 hour window, you know, 19 hour window where teams are going to have all the time to sit down and think about it and go through it again. And, you know, are we going to move up? He would be, in my opinion, he'd be definitely be a strong trade up target opening round two here. Uh, the rest of this mock, I mean, uh, you know, with this, with the seven selections, Matt went with three offensive linemen, which I'm not getting. Uh, Khalid Kareem at a Penn State. I mean, I guess here, but uh, a little more damage could be done. But uh, Delpit, Malik Harrison, rounds two and three. I'm okay with that. Pete, did you happen to catch Adam Schefter's thoughts on why the draft is still scheduled for April 23rd yesterday? I did. I just, I, I don't get it. Um, I understand the idea that there's like the, the, the feeling that there's this big thing going on, and particularly in your, if you're, you've got family or you're somebody who is in New York quite a bit with everything that's going on, California uh, and Los Angeles, these are areas, you know, that that's, it, they're so far behind on everything that uh, we, uh, that we don't really know just how bad everything is there. Uh, and I understand that that's like, you know, significantly stressful. And there's this element of that. Why are we doing this with the, all that's going on? The problem with that to me is, I think they feel like this thing's going to be over in a month or two, and it's not. Every indication is this is going to drag on in some form into the fall and potentially even into into December. It may not be to a point where you know we can't function as we have, but the, all all the data is su suggesting that there's going to be you know the, the various surges in places and then at some point there may be a second wave as people try to go back to normal and then it picks up again so if you if you're looking at that and you're saying what's a good time to uh hold the nfl draft well the answer is next april so 
if you're you're sort of picking between spots that suck. I mean, April doesn't feel good. Does May? Does June? Like it's all going to be bad. It's just a question of when do you sort of accept that this is going to happen? You know, this the draft has to happen. Everything with COVID-19 is happening and it's going to happen for a while. And you just sort of have to decide, you know, would you rather everybody just stop and not do anything, including Adam Schefter, whose job is to cover the sport? Uh, You know, there are a lot of people who would push, might push back on this and basically say, uh, we and I speak for myself on this, we need the NFL to have something to go on with because this is our job. And, you know, so many people are, 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 are losing theirs right now for various reasons. Like there are people who are, who are going to push back and say, well, we need this to happen. And if the NFL is insisting on doing it uh, and the argument to move it, it again, it basically comes down to pick which awful time to do it then I, I don't really have an issue with it being at the end of April. So I, I, I can sympathize with the notion of, well, why are we really doing anything? We should be doing nothing but focusing on this. But at the same time, like uh, at some level, you know, whether you're, you're somebody who's stuck inside all day, you're somebody who is, uh, you know, you're a nurse or a doctor, you have to go deal with this every day. You've got, you know, family dealing with this, or you're worried about, you know, your your situation and everything else. At some point, I think a lot of people gravitate towards a distraction of some kind. This is why you're getting people watching weird tiger shit and, uh, <laughs> you know, the various things. So I, I think for those people, I think there's a, there, there's a real appetite for some of this stuff. And, and it may feel callous for some people as, as their family member or they are dealing with you know, this awful circumstance, but at, at some point, like, we have to realize this is going to go on for months, uh, not weeks, and you sort of have to decide that you're going to operate within this framework, or you're going to have to decide that you're going to cancel everything, and, and some of these things can't afford not to, and, and this obviously is, is gets into college football, which is, you know, they're worried all these universities are worried if they don't have a college season that all these other sports are going to die. So on some level, you have to be hoping for as much normalcy as possible. The other part of this is, um, you know, obviously everything has to wait until contracts are signed and stuff. But for the kids who are going to get drafted in April, you know, essentially what happens for a lot of these kids is they are taking loans from their agent, uh, they have to have an idea that they're going to get some money at some point that they can pay these things back. So when they do sign their contract, they can pay these things. But, you know, let's say, for example, you want to push this thing into into June or July, and then you're going to ramp this thing right into practices and all these things and signing contracts. There's a lot of uncertainty with the financial futures of these kids, and they have to sort of get an idea that they they know where you know this money is going to come from, uh, so they can actually plan around it. And hopefully, a lot of you know they're sort of being forced into some real uh, financial literacy and responsibility and things. But like they can't just sit here forever. They don't have a source of income, 
uh, and their families may be right along with them that need this. So that's the other part about this. And, and God bless Adam Schefter. He's not in a situation where he's financially vulnerable. Uh, he, he, he makes a really good living and, he, and he's obviously earned the ability to make that much money and that's more power to him. But there are a lot of people, players, uh, people covering the sport, and, uh, et cetera, who can't. So, again, there's no good answer. It's a question of which bad one you want. It's – I mean, if you're looking at it from the NFL standpoint, it's you, – you can equate it to, you know, situations in you know your own personal lives you know it's timmy your six-year-old your six-year-old nephew's birthday but meanwhile you know you've got a grandma or grandpa in hospice um again there's you know no right time um this is when they've had it scheduled for to this point they've followed along with you know keeping their newly gear intact um it it seems like you're putting certain protocols in place about how many people are going to be able to be in a war room and that in of itself is going to make all this crazy ass interesting. Uh, you know, I, I can understand it again. I can understand it from both sides when you look at, you know, when you look outside of sports news, what there is of it right now, and you look at, you know, nation news and, and the things that are going on. And yeah, I mean, we've already, we've had a first school system here in New Jersey say, that's it. We're done. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you all in September. Uh, you know, that's the you know, extreme of where we're at in this. Um, the NFL, you know, obviously sometimes you're going to put a blind eye to some things in the way they do business. It certainly wouldn't be the first time. It certainly won't be the last time, but I guess they can figure they can put a product out here where for a couple of nights in late April, they can get everybody to, you know, not have to be focused on CNN or their nightly news and just get a break from it all. And if anything, Hey, stay home, watch a draft, stay safe here. I'm going to put a bow on this one here though. Pete, what's the latest over at Brown's digest, sir? Uh, covering anything and everything, obviously, Adrian Claiborne news came down talking about, you know, uh, how Jadavian Clowney sort of holding this stuff up, uh, some various things coming out from, uh, SI and the MMQB that are sort of, you know, not, you know, that, that really are, are, I guess you'd say are timeless. Talk, they're going through a thing where they're doing sort of the last 10 years who, you know, the position you, uh, for, for all these positions. Uh, so we've got some stuff on that. Uh, and then still covering the draft and all that as we head into, uh, you know, three weeks from Thursday. Yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming quickly, 22 days away here. So uh, actually 21 days, I guess, by this math here. Um, so we're proceeding quickly towards what will be the 2021 uh, 2020 NFL draft year. Uh, make sure you checking everything out uh, on SA.com, Browns Digest over there. Make sure you're following on Twitter at Browns Digest. Uh, Pete himself at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show at Locked on Browns. Always follow back. DMs are open. Uh, questions, ideas you want for the show, go ahead and send them on over here. Uh, got a – should be uh, scheduled uh, – have a good interview scheduled tomorrow. Someone that's been on before, but it's been a while, so looking forward to talking with him here. Um, well, uh, that should be up hopefully, you know, mid-afternoon tomorrow here. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I guess we've covered a lot here. Obviously, the Nickelodeon thing, the playoff teams, the addition of Adrian Claiborne here. Obviously, the NFL is going to proceed. Um, so with that, um, this has been your daily delivery of all things. Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.